So what exactly is happening in Pakistan in the so-called war on terrorism? Hi, this is Phil Gursky, President and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting in Russell, Ontario, Canada. And you're listening to Canadian Intelligence, a eh? podcast about national security. To say that Pakistan lives in a dangerous part of the world would be a uh, vast understatement, to say the least. Uh, it has Afghanistan to its west, and we all know what's happening in Afghanistan these days. It uh, has India to its east, and there have been disputes over what to do with Jammu and Kashmir, which is disputed territory between the two countries. And on top of that, uh, the country has been beset by a number of terrorist attacks on a number of fronts in recent years, and very serious terrorist attacks, some of whom have killed more than 100 people. To bring us up to speed on what's happening in that country, I'm bringing in my guest today, uh, Mohammed Farouk. He is uh, doing his MA in criminology at the University of Windsor right now. He worked for 10 years as a federal law enforcement officer with the Anti-Narcotics Force in Pakistan. And he's going to walk us through exactly what's happening on the ground in Pakistan today. So Farouk, thanks very much for coming on the podcast. Um, I, pre I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for having me, Phil. First questions first. If I were to ask you to, of the threats that I mentioned uh, about facing Pakistan now, and you know, there's been a sort of a separatist terrorist movement in the in the southwest, the so-called Balochistan Liberation Army, things like that. There have been attacks by the uh, Taliban in, the, in in Pakistan. If you were to rate these, Farouk, in terms of seriousness, uh, could you do that for my listeners? Uh, <clears throat> well, Phil, I mean, if if you were to Presented on, on a scale of one to ten, I, I'd say it's, it's it's pretty high up there. So, I mean, uh, to to give you a number, I, I'd say it's it's probably around the nine figure because, I mean, uh, on top of everything else that the country is going through right now, this is obviously a problem that has persisted for a while. And and I mean, going back to, well, I mean, it, it goes back to a, a further further back than that, but obviously, you know, it kind of accentuated and and uh, it, it just uh, became. Uh, a problem, a bigger problem, when when uh, when Pakistan decided to become, uh, you know, the frontline state in, in the alliance with with the U.S. and then of course everything that happened after. So I, I'd say it's, it's it's a pretty serious problem, and obviously, you know, uh, having to do with national security, it, it takes top priority. Now, so I we I read about these attacks, Farouk, in, in the south. Like I said, they're by. You know, groups that that that, that call this area is called Balochistan, which is the province in Pakistan. They carry out regular attacks against law enforcement, against civilians. We have the Tehrik uh, Taliban Pakistan, who carry out attacks against everybody. Uh, there was a, a massive attack against a mosque uh, in uh, recently, in which well over 100 people were killed. It, had, it was a mosque frequented by Pakistani police. Are you able? Are you in a position to sort of? Um, rank those in terms of like which one is more important do you think to pakistan or are they equally of, of importance to pakistani authorities well i think it's uh i mean to, to put it in in into kind of you know which one takes precedence over the other i think it's 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 more complex than that so i i wouldn't really uh place one or the other but i i would say that you know kind of placing because the, the the dynamics are very different. Because one one is happening toward the north, where uh, the you know Pakistan has uh, Afghanistan uh, on on the border, 
I mean, borders with Afghanistan. Of course, uh, it, it borders Afghanistan in, in Balochistan as well. But then, you know, the, the the majority of the border that that we have over there is with Iran, right? And then, and then part of it in the and then of course, you know, if if we get to talking about Balochistan, I mean, the dynamics is it's just it, that that situation is so nuanced. I mean, there there are so many dynamics and there are so many uh, factors that that uh, that play into that. It's it's just absolute. Uh, I mean, I, I don't really have any other way because, and the majority of the my. Majority of my career that I served out of ten years, I, I had the privilege, and and I would say it was quite an honor. I served there for about five years, so and and I served at various different stations. So I pretty much seen the length and breadth of the province. So I I know for 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 a fact. Uh, I mean, I can say with some authority what's what's going on over there. Wow. But uh, again, coming back to the issue of of you know TTP and BLA and and whatnot. So I, it's I, I think it's it's more a failure of of you know the political. Uh, leadership on on Pakistan side more than anything. Honestly, I mean, I, I I've seen uh, how that has played out and how how that has transpired. And, and you know, to put them uh, for for the most part, for example, I mean, I I'm, I'm sure you know, being in the industry yourself, you, you might have heard uh, and and you know what you read online. A lot of it is a lot of it is attributed to to the military and and the military leadership and the you know the military being all powerful. But as as powerful as the military establishment is in Pakistan, I mean, there there are some situations where you know. The political leadership has to come to the fore and take responsibility, and and that has just been absent for for the longest amount of time. So, uh, I, I think it's 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 a very clear failure on 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 part of the policies of the you know political governments that have come and gone uh, for for this to escalate to the point that it has come today. You you predicted my next question for Rook in, in yeah. a way that is uh, in your view, and I, I I think I've already heard some of it. Um, how good are Pakistani authorities? Now, by authorities, I'm using the term very broadly. We can look at the Pakistani government writ large. We can look at the Pakistani military. We can look at Pakistani law enforcement, Pakistani intelligence services. Maybe it's an unfair question, but how would you rate them in terms of their ability you know, to counter these terrorist movements throughout Pakistan? Well, uh, Phil, the thing is, I mean, and and I, I believe you, you know, you can't agree that that in, as as far as intelligence, the, the intelligence in, uh, industry goes, and as far as the intelligence agencies go, there, there's always going to be, I mean, their their primary task or their primary responsibility is national security, right? I mean, uh, right. they're not they're not gonna they're not gonna compromise that uh, for 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 whatever reason. I mean, whether it be political or economic or whatever. So. Uh, as far as and, and I'm sure you know it, it, this this has been because the, the intelligence agencies, whether it be the ISI or the MI or you know, any other civilian intelligence agencies, uh-huh. they, they've been written about uh, up to the yin yang. So so people people know how how competent they are in terms of that, and especially in, in dealing with with the dynamics of the region, the, the strategic importance that Pakistan has, and especially uh, with with uh, the U.S. invasion in in 2003. So uh, sorry, 2001. Uh, so uh, but again, uh, you know. It's. I, I would say I, I wouldn't lay like. I mean, I, I did say that you know the, the the majority of the blame has to has to fall on the political leadership. There's no doubt about that. Right. But then again, but then again, it's 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 not their sole responsibility, obviously, because at the end of the day, when 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 we talk about security and we talk about countering terrorist uh, threats or, or terrorist activities, that is obviously the domain of the military. So uh, I, I think they've. You know they've kind of dropped the ball uh, on on a number of occasions there as well, and and uh, this this goes back to when Pakistan entered again. I, I that that is kind of like the watershed moment in in my eyes because I you know I I've seen the country go through the the turmoil that it did uh, after that. So uh, 
obviously they, they would have had their reasons, you know, uh, at, at the helm of affairs, there's, there's so many dynamics that you have to consider when you're taking uh, these decisions. But uh, I, you know, obviously they say hindsight is always twenty twenty. So in yeah. retrospect, that decision to that decision, President Musharraf, who, who recently died, uh, you know, uh, passed away. He was he was the military leader. He was the president, the de facto president, basically, and, and all, all powerful in charge of the country at the time. So I, I believe that 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 decision was. I mean, we, we've seen that we've seen the consequences, so we, we you know, we can't say that that was the right decision. He, he it's it's not obviously they they couldn't have they, you know the way that was the way that he says that it was presented to him from from you know the defense sec, the def second at the u.s when when he had that conversation with him mm-hmm. but I, I i believe it could have gone so many other ways as well i mean if if you're you're in charge of country and you know you've taken on that responsibility then you obviously need to tackle these situations as well so uh yeah i mean the military is, is probably uh is is if not equally complicit, but they are. There, there definitely uh-huh. are in, in in how you know these terrorist attacks have started. Uh, and of course, you mentioned the Peshawar attack recently, uh, and that is that is. I mean, from the TTP side, they 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 say that it was a splinter cell within their within right. their organization, which which kind of carried out this attack. But uh, the 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 reason that they they claim that they did that is because of the military operations that have started again in the north part of the country. Right. I want to return to Balochistan just for a second here, because A, you, you told me that you spent some, quite some time there. Um, most people couldn't find Balochistan on a map, right? So can you walk <laughs> my listeners through exactly what this particular campaign is all about in southwestern Pakistan? Yeah, sure. I mean, look, so I, I, I'm sure you you know the history of the of the region. I mean, it's it, the, the, the greater Balochistan, as we know it, I mean, obviously, it's divided into three parts right now. Some of it is with Iran, some yeah. of it is with Afghanistan, and then Pakistan has, has the rest of it. So, I mean, it it's 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 their history is kind of like they were. Balochistan has always had tribes. They, they've had these these ruling tribes like the Maris and the Lagaris and, and the Khaitrans, and, and there's so many of them. Who have kind of ruled in their own sort of uh, little uh, fiefdom. So uh, they were, you know, they had their own sort of, I guess you, you you could say they had their own sort of sovereignty over over their their own territories, and they kind of ruled in that sort of way. But then with with what happened, and you know, this goes back to even the Mughals came in, even Genghis Khan came in, yeah. And then and then you know, once it, uh, the Britishers came in with the when they colonized. Uh, the, the, the only princely state that was, that was basically left was the, which still kind of exists in, in, in a sort of symbolic way, but they don't really have any, any, any authority in, in terms of how they, they decide their political future, I guess, is, is the, is this region of Galat. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's the, no, so, there, no. so, so yeah, so there is a seat of the Khan of Galat, but the, the, the reason why this is happening, I mean, I, I, if, if you were to ask me to kind of encapsulate it in one word, like one word. I would say it's it's disenfranchisement of the local people. It's the marginalization. Okay. It's their marginalization. So I mean, as as much as you know, the blame lies with the military, with with what has happened and the operations that they carried. Again, uh, you know, we talk about the operations and then the missing persons and and you know, the the abductions and whatnot. But uh, again, the locals, these 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 chiefs, these chieftains, these tribal chiefs that I talk about. Uh, I mean, I served in the, in the region. It. It, I don't know if a lot of a lot of people don't know. It constitutes about fifty percent of the landmass of the whole country. I mean, that's yes. that's, a, that's a huge area, right? Okay, and and then the population at the time, even now, uh, you know, in the last consensus, it was about only seven or eight percent of the country. So, 
they, they, they don't have proper, you know, they don't have any facilities. They don't have utilities. Even, even like, for example, I'll give you a very brief example and to kind of just uh, uh, give you a very uh, true picture or kind of like a, a visual of, of how bad the situation so I was, I, I connected, I mean, I was in this, I, I've served in Gwadar as well. So, and Gwadar with the CPEC project, people think that it's, it's developing and whatnot. But uh, this, this place that I visited, you know, it, it was right in the middle. It was kind of like a small, uh, you know, hamlet. It was like a village. And there, there was about four or five li- little uh, huts that were built there. And, and they were, they were of uh, clay. They were, they were clay huts or, or, you know, like from, from, uh, yeah, so. And these people, they didn't have any uh, water. They didn't have any potable water. They didn't have any water for sanitation. They didn't have, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm just talking about water. Forget about electricity or anything else like right, that. So, right. And 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 I, I spoke to this one person uh, with, with an interpreter because they, they speak so many different languages. It's, it's a beautiful, diverse culture there. And he told me that he had to fetch water from about 50 clicks, you know, it, it was the, the, the nearest, the nearest point where you could fetch water from was about 50 kilometers away. So wow, that, that kind of, I mean, in this day and age to, to kind of imagine that people are still living in squalor in this sort of, that sort of abject poverty or the, you know, those conditions. Uh, so that is, I think more than anything else, that is kind of the reason why people use, you, you see this uprising where they say, you know, we, we've had enough, we, you know, enough is enough. And, and there's this sort of uprising and, uh, a lot of it has to do with with what they see uh, with the with the Chinese coming in and all these projects. The, I mean, the yes. CPEC is just like it's like I mean, if you look at the CPEC project in, in its entirety, it's like more than a fifty billion dollar project. That is, I mean, that is astronomical. And and all all the all the help that they get is either from from the Punjab province where they get contractors to build the roads and whatnot, and then you know even the transportation and this this Belt Road initiative that they built in the Western yeah. Belt, which, yeah. which goes all. So all these contracts were awarded to people, you know, who were out of province. Like, for example, this, it's just, it, it, I, I, I fail to understand and, I, and I, I, don't, I don't believe that you don't have competent contractors, you don't have, you know, labor that is, that is competent enough, they can build the same quality or better uh, from, from the locals. Uh-huh. So, you know, when, 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 when that happens, I, I guess it's, uh, again, you know, like I said, it's, it's, it's the marginalization of those people. And you raise a point for, I mean, this is something which you hear a lot about, right? It's lack of attention from the center, it's marginalization, it's economic uh, disparities and things like that, that often don't cause necessarily movements to arise, but they don't help them. And they certainly uh, do play a factor in that. Uh, turning to the neighbors we talked about earlier, for, let's, let's start with Afghanistan. Now, Pakistan blames Afghanistan for a lot of terrorism, especially up in the north. As you said, that's where the border with Afghanistan is. And the group that we hear the most of is uh, the TTP, Tehrik Taliban in Pakistan. Um, can you summarize very briefly just how important Afghanistan is in Pakistan's current internal terrorism problem? I think it's, uh, I would say that it's actually more important than, than India right now. Okay. Yeah. So, and, and the reason I say that is because uh, the dynamic, I mean, the, these people, for example, uh, we have, in, in, there's about, I mean, along the border in, in Balochistan as well, I'm talking about the Afghan border, obviously, uh, uh, you know, along the, along the border and even in, in the northern part of the country where, where the majority of the border is, 
you know, there, there, there are people who, who have families across the border. So the, 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 border, the border is very porous. So it's, it's not all men. I mean, they, they did start that, uh, that fencing thing, but obviously, you know, it's, it's, it's incomplete and it's, it's not as effective as they thought it would be. So, uh, you know, there's this back and forth of, of, of families and, and relatives and people and, and, and it's, and they basically they're they're you know if you if you look at them in terms of the language they speak the culture the tradition they're basically the same people as the 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 Pashtuns in in northern Pakistan, so it's it's very difficult to differentiate between them and and the Pashtuns. And so uh, we we have a very um, um, what I'm trying to say is we have a very long history you know with 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 the Afghan people, and uh, and it's going to continue. This isn't going to stop. So it's it's very important to pay attention to what what the problems in Afghanistan are and uh, how the, the political situation is playing out now there because that actually will determine how the situation is controlled or even managed uh, in in terms of you know the, these these uh, miscreant activities or the cross cross border infiltration or whatever you want to call them into Pakistan so uh and and in in terms of, you know as as far as the the TTP claiming or the you know the Afghan leadership claiming Pakistan is responsible for 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 you know the the problems that that are the the, the attacks or, or the the killings that are that are happening in Afghanistan. I I mean if you know it's I I honestly believe it's political rhetoric because if if you know if you have substantiated evidence I mean if you if you have uh, evidence then obviously you know you you would be coming at it from different ways so. They, they, they make these claims, but then they, they don't have, actually have any tangible evidence to present. So uh -huh. I, I honestly, and, and I fail to understand what Pakistan would gain from that. You know, I mean, I understand why the TTP would claim to, uh, you know, carry out these attacks in Pakistan because of the retaliation that Pakistan is doing within its territorial uh, boundary. But I, I don't believe there are any Pakistani, so, you know, military or even uh, mercenaries which are going across the border and conducting these activities. So I, uh -huh. I, I, I don't, I don't think that's, that's possible. And I, and I think it would be, it'd be quite foolish and detrimental to, to Pakistan managing its own situation. You know, you raised a, a really good point, Farouk, about the, the Pashtuns. And of course, uh, you know, as so often happens in history, uh, someone comes along, draws a line on a map uh, randomly, and it splits an ethnic group in half. And this is, of course, what happened between Afghanistan and Pakistan. Uh, way back in 1893, the, the infamous Mortimer Durand, who was a British diplomat of the Indian Civil Service at the time, drew this, what's called the Durand Line, which basically established the border between, you know, what was then India and the Emirate of Afghanistan and is now Pakistan and India and uh, Pakistan and Afghanistan. And of course, as you said, you've got family and relatives on both sides of the border. So it shouldn't surprise anybody that you've got some kind of familiarity or conviviality, if you will, between those type of things. So moving east then, uh, Farouk, we, we have to, you know, talk about Jammu and Kashmir. Now, I've done a lot of podcasts about the Modi government. I'm no fan of the Modi government with its history of Hindu extremism. Uh, it's basically support for attacks on Muslims uh, within India, the so-called you know, love jihad that the extremists accuse the Muslims of forcibly converting Hindu girls or women to Islam. And of course, the cow vigilantes who string up Muslims for, for eating beef kind of thing. But there's, you know, there have been terrorist attacks in Jammu and Kashmir for a very, very long time. And of course, this is disputed territory between the two countries. Um, can you give us a synopsis of sort of how you see the situation in Jammu and Kashmir from a terrorism perspective? Uh, 
I would. I mean, Jammu and Kashmir. It's, it's obviously Indian occupied territory, right? And and there was a there was a UN resolution back in forty eight, which which still is is pending. You know, where, where they said that they'd have the right. I I, I I I forget the. I mean, I forget the exact exact terminology, but it was it was yeah okay. So it was a it was a it was a right to it was a right to self determination or something like that. I think I right. believe that that was the term that that was used. So. Uh, and and it was it was supposed to become a demilitarized zone when when you know when the referendum happened. So uh, you know that that obviously hasn't uh, materialized. But in in terms of uh, again, you know, I I would say because you know I, this situation honestly. Uh, and again, I, I come back to uh, I, I don't know if you spoke about this earlier. I I do believe the strength you know the modern strength of a, of a state, the soft power, even the hard power for to some extent lies. In a country's, uh, you know, economy, I, I honestly do believe that is that is the way forward. You know, that it, we we've seen that with Japan, we've seen that with Germany, we've seen that with the UK and and even Canada to some extent. So, countries which which are not, uh, you know, uh, you would say in comparison to say the US or or uh, even Russia, you know, in in terms of military might, but they're they're forces to be reckoned with, and that's that's uh, mostly or almost all, all you know completely down to their uh, economic prowess. And and the way the way India is progressing, you know, by 2030 they're going to become probably the I, I believe the third or the fourth largest economy in the world. So yes, uh, it, it's it's you know I, I I don't believe they you know militarily yes, but uh, you know in in other in other avenues in in terms of I, I don't believe Pakistan figures very very highly on their on their on their agenda in, in terms of how they 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 perceive it as as a threat anymore. And, I, and I'm being very frank about this. So. Uh, uh, they they know for a fact that you know there's there's no there's no way that Pakistan is is ever going to be able to uh, you know reclaim uh, as Pakistan claims that that you know it was taken uh, from them uh, illegally uh, the, right. the back territory. in forty seven so, yeah exactly so so the, so the only word that, so the, so the only only recourse I guess you could call it if for lack of a better word that that Pakistan is left with is is uh, um, and and this um, you know. Uh, there's, there's, I, I, I don't think that it's possible with, with the, with the amount of, with the amount of forces that are there, the Indian forces that, that are in occupied Kashmir, because I think the last time that I checked, it was like, including the military and the BSF and whatnot, you know, they have like 600,000 troops placed in, 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 in Jammu and Kashmir. So I, I honestly don't believe that it's possible that Pakistan would, would send, you know, uh, mercenaries or, or, you know, the, these, these so-called, uh, Terrorists that would go over, you know, to infiltrate into the, into the territory and, and uh, carry out these activities. But uh, the terrorist attacks, I believe, mostly occur from within Kashmir, honestly, because of, of again, and and this is this this is not too dissimilar from what is happening in, in Balochistan, you know, uh, because of the disenfranchisement of the Kashmiri people and obviously. Right. Religion, you know, religion being being the, the the top reason for that, you know, the majority of them being Muslims, and so uh, uh, and and I don't I don't want to bring in other other issues here, but you know, I, a very a very uh, uh, real comparable example that that comes to my mind right now is is what is happening in in uh, in Xinjiang with the Uyghurs and then China. Yes, uh, so good point. You know, I, I that that is kind of like the the the, the sort of. Uh, ethnic and religious uh, juxtaposing that I can do in, in, in two contemporary issues which with uh, you know where a state has occupied a territory and you know you have these these terrorist activities or these these uh, 
uh, you know, bombings and whatnot and these killings within the territory. And that is actually happening from within. Uh, you know, you don't, you don't actually need anyone from the outside. They, they, they may get help. I would say, you know, that there is a possibility of providing economic or, or, you know, in, 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 in the terms of arms or whatever, but mostly it, it, those, 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 uh, those activities will be carried out from within, within the territory from, from the locals, I believe. Okay. Well, you know, first of all, Farouk, thank you for your candor. Uh, this has um, been a, a great conversation about a part of the world that we hear an awful lot about. As I said at the, at the outset, uh, there are a lot of things uh, that take place in Pakistan and in the immediate vicinity that um, are, you know, disheartening uh, in terms of, of things like terrorist attacks uh, in Afghanistan and Pakistan and India. And, and I think you've, you've helped my listeners understand it. it's, it's a little more complicated than I think people maybe at first at first blush believe so um thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. i really appreciate it no no my pleasure phil uh, I, I i enjoyed the conversation and uh thank you for having me so that was my conversation with Mohammad farouk who's currently doing his uh, ma in criminology at the university of windsor here in canada he spent 10 years as a federal law enforcement officer of the anti-narcotics force uh, what do you think about our exchange on pakistan do you think it was an accurate reflection of what's happening on the ground? I'd love to hear your feedback. You can reach me on email, borealisrisk at gmail.com or on Twitter at borealisaves. You can also find me on LinkedIn and on Facebook. If you like this content want to get more of it, please go to the website, borealisthreatenrisk.com. Hit the subscribe button. It's free. You don't have to pay a cent. Not that we have cents anymore here in Canada, but uh, you can get uh, free access to all the podcasts and blogs. Love to hear your ideas for future podcasts as well. A reminder that I'm launching my sixth book, relaunching my sixth book on the 22nd of March um, at uh, Perfect Books in Elgin Street in Ottawa. Hope to see you there. We'll talk again soon. Until then, take care.